Hello, and thank you for joining us. Another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Ryan. Great to talk to you today. Great to talk to you, too. And today we are going to talk about a very famous German uh, uh, named Martin. Uh, of course, we're talking about Martin Lawrence, star <laughs> of Martin, uh, which aired from 92 to 97, and Bad Boys 1 and 2. Did you know he was born in Germany? Did I did know not that? know that, no. Oh, okay. No. So, <laughs> uh, no, of course, as you've seen from the title, uh, Martin Heidegger. Um, although maybe we should talk about the Bad Boys movies at some point. That's actually maybe not a bad idea. But, um, yeah, so this is a long-time request going back, and we've been held up by me because uh, I had not read Being in Time until uh, we were prepping for this podcast. And um, we're not going to talk about the whole book. We're going right. to try to uh, get at some... Uh, obviously core concepts. So we're going to focus on uh, Dasein and more specifically what Heidegger does with uh, subjectivity here and what he doesn't do later um, right. and how this is a like a linchpin for understanding him and for understanding uh, how he positions himself against Hegel. And uh, Hegel's is, I think, would you say Hegel's the villain? Hegel of, is uh, of the villain of this piece, I think. I think that's correct, yeah. yeah. Okay. He once said that um, to think of to think of Kant as pre-Hegelian, or no, no, it's the other way around, sorry. Okay. He said to, <laughs> to think of the pre-Socratic, to call the pre-Socratic philosophers pre-Socratic is as crazy as to call Kant a pre-Hegelian. So uh, okay. what he was trying okay. to say was, of course, Kant is much more important than Hegel, and the pre-Socratics are much more important than Plato and Socrates. So, right. um he especially loves them because all they left back are left behind are fragments, and then that means they're more <laughs> profound. If all you—that's the key to being a profound philosopher—just to leave fragments behind. Just but that, fragments. But that um, wasn't true for Heidegger. He left much mm, more than fragments. So that's true. Yeah. So Dasein well, is interesting, should we right? Just leave. I think we should have. We should just leave uh, cut versions of these podcasts. But anyway, continue. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, that would, the, they would seem then maybe uh, much better. More, um, more substantial. Yeah. More <laughs> substantial. Right. They, people can imagine a lot of things. Uh, but I would say that. So so Dasein. It's interesting. So first of all, it's not translated by either of the translators of Being in Time. So there's the 1962. Uh, John Macquarie and, and Edward Robinson translation, which is still the authoritative one after, uh, what, 40, 50 years. So, yeah, it's the one you've seen in the bookstore. Right. You, the big black, the, it has a big listening. black yeah. hardcover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's now in paper too, but they, they, they often sell the hardcover. Um, and then, and then Joan Stamball around 2000, just a little before, I think, um, trans retranslated it. And one of her big changes was to introduce a hyphen between da and sein, but still to mm. leave it untranslated. And what's interesting is Heidegger said, I, I want to go back and, and change the way Dasein is written and, and hyphenate it. But then mm-hmm. he controlled his collected works, his Gesamt Ausgabe, but mm-hmm. he never did it. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so he said he wanted to do it. He didn't do it. Stambaugh takes his advice and does it, mm-hmm. and then... They have to put out a corrected – Heidegger scholars were so upset. They put out a corrected translation of her translation like four years, mm-hmm. five years later that has it – all the hyphens are taken out. So now mm-hmm. there are no – you can – if you still have one of these renegade first edition Stambaugh <laughs> translations, you have it with hyphens. And I actually – I have that. Um but it, it really doesn't have a justification. So here – let me just say – so yeah. so Dasein in German means – 
existence. That's just the meaning of the word. But the two separate words, so if it's hyphenated and it seems like two separate words, it's mm. da, which means here, and sein, which means being. It's the verb for being. So mm. it's interesting that he, if you hyphenate it, clearly you evoke that being here much more than existence. And I think most people right. that think about Heidegger think about Dasein as being here. Like, that's what mm-hmm. they'd say. Mm-hmm. If they'd say, like, how, do you tr- how would you translate Dasein? Well, it's being here. But it, it's mm-hmm. interesting that he's intentionally choosing Dasein as a replacement for what other thinkers, Descartes, Kant, Hegel, called subjectivity. Yes. Now, this is the big, now, this is the big thing, and we're going to put it here. Obviously, like, we're going to talk about the, the Nazi turn in Heidegger, and the, it is, um, it, it is, I, I think we both agree that there are, there are lines that we're going to look at that are, that anticipate that later turn, but, I mean, the real big thing, just to put this early, is the move away from subjectivity. Dasein, so crucial to being in time, like, it's just, like, that's, like, maybe on every page. Book. Yes, right? on every page. Yeah. Like, is it? Did you tell me like doesn't appear again after this? Pretty like much. Work? I mean, uh, like a little bit in, in up till about nineteen thirty or early thirties, and then so this is being times twenty seven, and mm-hmm. then it's gone, and it never appears again. Zine, yeah. so being zine mm-hmm. is becomes, and that's the he starts with the question of being. The book starts with that, but that becomes the central category for he wouldn't call it a category. The central mm-hmm. problem for Heidegger is being. And after, from 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 1935, when he wrote the contributions to the Beiträge to philosophy, contributions to philosophy, which wasn't published, from then on, it's never Dasein. Mm-hmm. So Dasein is gone. It's, it's fascinating. I mean, it. it uh, we were talking about this before the show, but it does lead to the... We're going to obviously build up to and, and, and justify this uh, a little bit, but it, it does kind of give you a nice uh, shortcut, which is that subjectivity is opposed to Nazism. And I think that that's, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting to think that way. Right, I uh, think in, that's Especially right. in terms of this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, he even the turn away from subjectivity is already the turn of someone who's amenable to yeah. what, what Nazism is. And, and, you know, like, it's not... I think people have now debunked the idea that Heidegger had this great political turn toward Nazism, right? Like he mm-hmm. he was a since these what were known as the black notebooks or Schwarze Hefte have been published, it's very clear mm-hmm. that from early in his life he was a he was a committed anti Semite. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that I think that the 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 that the very turn to Dasein is mm-hmm. already problematic. But then as you say, I think you're correct to say that the turn away from Dasein is even further more problematic, yeah. right? Because it's yeah. even yeah, yeah, another yeah. turn away from subjectivity. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, if, uh, fascinating stuff. I think to, to 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 tease out. So let's um, so let's look at it then. And 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 all, and of course, I mean, uh, Hegel's brought up early, referred to often um, as well. And I think that there's a way in which reading being in time. I think you said this to me too that when you first read this, you thought that uh, he and Hegel were doing the like similar same project project. i really thought it was the same right the The same same. and now i think they're absolutely irreconcilable yeah so it it does it seems that way because the method i mean just in in a broad stroke um just uh hegel as we talked about in many different podcasts on here like i mean the phenomenology of spirit like is is like how how do we see like how do we see the emergence of uh of, of 
of truth. And, but before that, like an idea, you know, and, and, and where do we see the, the, the subject and through what process does this emerge and what do we take for granted in this process? And absolutely Heidegger starts in the same place. Like he, he wants to push at the maxim that there is no predicate for being. And he wants to trouble that a little bit. So you could see methodologically that they'd be moving in similar, but you, but you thought same. I thought the same. Yeah. I just thought they were, but now I think that phenomenology, which Heidegger is clearly in the phenomenological tradition, Mm -hmm. he was Husserl's student. And, and, and that's, I mean, everything in this, in being in time, even Dasein is, he calls it Dasein rather than subjectivity in order to grasp its its necessary spatio spatio temporality, right? Like that, mm-hmm. like subjectivity for Heidegger has too much of a remove from its rootedness in space and time, and and mm-hmm. Dasein is is inserted in space and time, and it only exists in space and time. So, for him, I think that's that's crucial. But so he's in this phenomenological tradition, and I think. Hegel's dialectic is just opposed. Like, I just think mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. I didn't see. And I, I was partly blinded. We had an episode a few weeks ago on Kojev, and I was partly blinded by Kojev because what Kojev does is really try to marry Hegel and Heidegger or dialectics and phenomenology. But I, I don't mm-hmm. think they can be married, I actually. Right. Uh, so I think you— Well, because it's a different kind of—like, uh, uh, Hegel's phenomenology is not— Husserlian. It's not, it's not really, no, anybody, not at all. Not at all. Not, not anybody. All. I mean, I, I remember I, um, it's confusing. It's confusing. I, I remember stating in, uh, in grad school to somebody that like, um, you know, I, I wanted to work with, uh, uh, Hegel and, um, uh, and, and phenomenology and like, you know, television studies and something like that. And, and, and I was, this person suggested, Oh, you should read Vivian Sobchak. And it's like, <laughs> It's clear why someone said that, like, but they're because they they do phenomenology and film, but it's not what Hegel's doing. It's it's it, like at all. It's more in this tradition of, of Husserl, right, uh, and right. yeah, yeah. So it's the. I mean, I don't know. What would you say just in a sentence? Like, I mean, it's it's because uh, I, I think I always think of um, uh, like you ha- you ha- you can't look at. I, I, I think you can't think about um, Hegel's phenomenology without the of spirit part. Like right. That has to be the. That no, be it's the a great, it. Ryan. That's a great point. I think it's a great point. Like to me, phenomenology takes our origin, the originality, our bare experience as its point of departure. Mm-hmm. And dialectics thinks that what's most misleading is our mm-hmm. bare experience, and we have to yeah. understand the way in which it's mediated, and we understand that through a dialectical analysis. So yeah. it's, it's, yeah. I think it's, in some ways, they're, they're moving in exactly the opposite direction, right? Like, that you're trying to, that Heidegger's trying to get back to some, and Husserl, too, back to some originary moment of experience that doesn't have the mediation of different interpretations, different theories, and and whereas Hegel's trying to say like look no there is no such no such moment exists right like yeah, like he doesn't yeah. think there's for Hegel there's no such thing as some kind of originary relationship to things that is not mm-hmm. theorized like right. like the, the and and for Heidegger that's why Heidegger's so invested in this distinction between 
what he calls ready to hand and present mm-hmm. at hand, or the German very famous owners, I'm saying it, forehanden and suhanden. And mm-hmm. or I got them backwards, but suhanden means ready to hand. So it's things that you can use. Mm-hmm. And then approaching things theoretically or forehand and present at hand means you're not thinking of them as in their usefulness, right? And so mm-hmm. then you don't, mm-hmm. you're, you're imposing some kind of mediation or theoretical perspective on top of them and thus missing this original relation. And Hegel's just like, no, no, even the when we use something, we have a theoretical relationship to it, right? So that, like, that, that, that there's already an interpretation on something, no matter. And so, in a way, Hegel kind of believes in the unconscious, right? Like, there's something operative yeah. there, even if we're not aware of it. To put it in two sentences, I think, and and then I want to proceed with the um, with the with the Heideggerian uh, sentence. Uh, but Hegel's position is that we're uh, if we're trapped by anything, it's trapped by an illusion of, of immediacy uh, yeah. and, or some original, some originary moment. Uh, and for uh, Heidegger, it's the, it's the opposite. It's the, that we're, we're trapped by mediation and we need to get out of that. Right. And so, yeah. And, and I, I think this is why I think this is why he, he like takes um, as his, uh, jumping off point the idea that there's no like there's no predicate to to, to being and he wants to try to uh, substantiate uh, a, a a a way of understanding being and articulating it that um i think for i think he thinks he's making no assumptions you think is, is that i think that, that's right that fair? i think that's right yeah. i think it's right that 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 he and i think that's the wager of phenomenology that we can get back to this original experience that we have that's mm-hmm. prior to all these theoretical assumptions that we put on it, right? And we do mm-hmm. this through mm-hmm. a phenomenological analysis, what mm-hmm. Husserl called the phenomenological, phenomenological reduction, right? So that, and I mean, Heidegger doesn't use that term, but that's what he's mm-hmm. doing. And so again, like Dasein is that a, it, it's it's not yet become subjectivity, right? So that's so mm-hmm. it's so I think he thinks his idea is that I get I call it Dasein because it's mm. prior to this obfuscation that comes with subjectivity and theorizing and you know thinking of myself as a master of the situation, all the things that that mm. obfuscate this original relationship to place and time. I mean, I think time is really. Like he thinks of he he, he said once that one of his lines about Hegel toward the end of of being mm-hmm. in time is that Hegel everything in Hegel is in pursuit of an ordinary relation to time and that's what is great <laughs> that's a total insult right like yeah, to, yeah, for, yeah. for Heidegger ordinary is an insult whereas for Hegel ordinary is not an insult at all it's fine so mm-hmm. that's another mm-hmm. way in which they're both they're very different but but about temporality like. Heidegger really wants to grasp our original insertion into temporality, or or what he calls our thrownness mm-hmm. into being right. and time, right? And that and mm-hmm. and and Hegel just for Hegel that temporality is never experienced just as temporality; it's always mediated through spirit, right? Like it's always a mm-hmm. spiritualized temporality. Man, yeah, no, 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 it's it's. It's very interesting to like. I I think I said this to you that part of part of my um part of my struggle in reading 
uh, being in time was I, I, I this like um, felt uh, I don't know this this uh, this 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 body mind uh, thing where I, I was reading it and it was clashing against the um, Hegelian thing that that I that I take to, to be uh, I suppose I take to be like oh, I've said this before that Hegel's not trying to add something like that this is this is his wager and you can you know right you can, you can go you go along with it or not but like Hegel's not trying to add something to right. to thought or to the world he's trying to tell you how it works like right. how it develops right. that's that's his thing and I and I like I think I'm, I'm like I'm pretty invested in that and I'm re- in, in reading Heidegger I feel like he's adding something and that like like it was, um, well, he feels yeah. like he's adding. <laughs> yeah, well, that's I mean, true. Yeah, he's it was, was clashing against me, like uh, like a like a uh, like a bad note. I think. Uh, right. I a, mean, a lot, a lot of the time, don't you think he's convinced he's a? I mean, well, he is, but that he's a great thinker, and I don't yeah. think Hegel's <laughs> convinced he's a great thinker. I think Hegel. Th- I mean, he was, of course, he was the most famous philosopher in Germany for the last uh, thirteen years of his life. But I think that he. He, there's a kind of radical humility about Hegel's project for the reason you just said that it's mm-hmm, that it. Mm-hmm. I'm just showing, trying to show what's there. I'm not trying to add my own great take on it. Right? I'm mm-hmm, just trying to mm-hmm. uncover this dialectical structure of our mediation of our mm-hmm. even our ontological situation. Right? Like that. But mm-hmm. it's all just trying to uncover something that's already operative. Even in it's even operative in everyday. Like I think that's the, their relation to the everyday is is pretty fascinating too because I think for Heidegger the everyday is the rule of what he calls the they or dasman right like and mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that rule is oppressive and so mm-hmm. we want to get out of it and Hegel is more interested in seeing how the everyday actually already has these incredibly impressive philosophical insights you know in, in right in it so, so th- they have a kind of radically different attitude towards what just everyday, just everyday life. It's really, it's interesting. If I'm going to be like to, if I'm going to be fair to, to Heidegger, I mean, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, he is pr- pretty clear. This is his position that he has to add, he has to be adding something because the idea of being itself has been taken for granted so much. Right. Right. That, that, that they're, they're, they're it's needs- been forgotten. That's his, that's his claim. That's like the it's the forgetting yeah, of yeah. being. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so that's interesting. So let's, um, so it, just a little bit of a, um, like a little bit of a, a, a walkthrough. Um, I think, cause I want to get to the thrownness and I want to get to this, the, the connection to, uh, to Freud potentially. Okay. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, and Fort Da, but, uh, take, uh, take us through a little bit. Why is, why? For Heidegger, is uh, Dasein the key to not remember? It's kind of that's actually kind of interesting. Not remembering being because he doesn't say that, but that would be no. consistent with the notion of there being an original. But whatever. Um, uh, just uh, he would say something like away. getting back in touch with being. There you go. Okay, right. so yeah, something how do, like how's, that. How's Dasein that? How, do, how does how does Dasein uh, provide that answer? Right, because for him, Dasein, if we're in touch with our authentic Dasein, right? So he, mm. for him, the difference between the inauthentic and the authentic is really important. So the, the he has two different conceptions. So one is everyone is thrown into existence as a Dasein, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but then you you undergo what he calls a falling into 
the they are Dasman, right? Like so, mm-hmm. so that falling obscures, obfuscates your original thrownness into being and time. So, mm-hmm. so when you're fallen into Dasman, you don't you don't grasp your authentic temporality, and especially you don't grasp your finitude. And I think mm. Dasein is an entity that. So what he says is Dasein is a being for whom its own being is a question, right? So, yeah. so mm-hmm. there's this fundamental attitude of questioning in Dasein that's not there in subjectivity. He thinks subjectivity is an answer. Dasein is a question. So that's, and I think there's mm-hmm. something really appealing about that. If you, yeah. when you first encounter Heidegger, you're like, wow, this privileging of the question is pretty great versus this, you know, like for Descartes, subjectivity is just an answer. Right, and it well, solves this I mean, problem. Do, doesn't that get and 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 sorry to interrupt. The, no. But the I think that just to, to follow up on that, that's where um, I think that's where like Foucault comes in. Like it's a like it's a film noir. This is where I come in. <laughs> but the um, like it's the becoming that I think Foucault takes up, and a lot of people right take right after right is that like like so like I mean he puts it as questioning, but it's the same kind of thing. It's a like oh I don't, I don't know like in with the psychoanalytic, uh, with the psychoanalytic position on on this, like a, that, this is a hystericizing of being. That's just this, like this, always becoming, never. I think that's kind right. Of thing. I think that's right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That's what it would be, which Heidegger would be very upset by. I mean, he, yeah, he, he hated he'd be, psychoanalysis. Yeah, furious. Um, but hmm, yeah, wonder why. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he was he and Lacan were friends though, so it was yeah. interesting. Um, their their relation was was funny, but. Um, but I would say that, that, that just to your point, like I think that mm-hmm. the 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 turn to questioning, the turn like that is, I think that really inspired so much French mm-hmm. intellectual, like Foucault, of course, Derrida, of course, like their mm-hmm. opposition to Hegel was simultaneously an embrace of Heidegger, except Deleuze. Like Deleuze is mm-hmm. really not Deleuze is much more in this tradition of Bergson, Spinoza to Bergson, right. and that. But but I think that for 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 Heidegger, the like Dasein is an openness to being mm-hmm. and to its own temporality. That so subjectivity is like its temporality is the temporality of a clock. Like and mm-hmm. it's interesting because I think a digital clock. This is something we haven't lost actually, and I think we've actually gained it. This sense that time is clicking, right? Like it's not interesting. That time yeah. is not my own throneness and my own confrontation with the finite nature of time. Instead, time is always just clicking forward. And and for Heidegger, that means time is spatialized, right? Like the movement of the mm. hand on the, cl- on, the, on the clock is the spatialization of time and a way of forgetting that I don't, like he even says, for inauthentic, for Dasman, for inauthentic Dasein, you always mm. have more time. When I, I have to say, when I first read Heidegger and I would get in, I would be, driving my car and I would say I would say to people I, they would be driving too slow in front of me I'd be like you gotta get up give up your inauthentic being towards death and, and recognize that you don't always have more time like get a move yeah. on so there is something I think radically appealing about that like that that mm-hmm. you know your Dasein is finite and so it's it has to confront its own end all the it's basically all the time confronting its own end, and that has to be part of its way of comporting itself. Which I How think. How close is this to yeah. live in the moment, Todd? 
I think it is living the moment. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I mean, yeah. it's why yeah. it's why Heidegger was ended up being very friendly to Zen philosophy. Mm. It's interesting because I get people contact me all the time saying, "Isn't there this incredible relation between Lacan and psychoanalysis and yeah. Zen Buddhism?" And I yeah, think yeah. there's some truth to that. I don't mm. think it's exactly, but with Heidegger, it's it's there, there's definitely this. I mean, to be fair, kind of Western. Buddhism, although yeah, uh, he, yeah. mm-hmm. although he he was very, he has a lot of interactions with Japanese Zen philosophers, and and there's been an incredibly productive uh, Zen Buddhist appropriation of Heidegger on you know going the other direction. So so it yeah. is it is interesting. I think you're right. Like there is that kind of sense of of like, um, but but I guess the difference is that for Heidegger, I my angst over my finitude mm. is mm-hmm. what is really revelatory, right? Like for him, mm-hmm. my moods are what disclose being to me. And like that, I think that that doesn't come through if you turn Dasein into the subject, right? Like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. does Lacan ever, t- or does Hegel, they ever talk about the mood of Dasein? I mean, no. I know Lacan has a thing on anxiety, yeah. but, but basically yeah. mood isn't as important for them. But for Heidegger, it's mood that's, disclosive of my own mm-hmm. temporality. Yeah. I mean, I think that there is something about, I mean, even just the, even just the word choice, even just the idea of mood. I mean, like, you know, as, as you mentioned, uh, you know, seminar 10, the anxiety seminar for, for Lacan. I mean, this is something that he's, he's positioning, uh, anxiety as like prior to any other kind of experience in the world. So it's not, so it's, it, it's not a, it's not a mood. It's more of a mode. Right, I think. right, you know, right, right. and and he would uh, never say the, it's a mood. I mean, he, he would say it's an affect, like it's the af- yeah, one right. affect that doesn't lie. But I don't that think he would mean. say it's a a mood. No, so I think that makes. I think this is one of these things where, like, you know, that it makes Heidegger and what he's trying to work through actually like closer to experience as lived. Right. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You know. Like. 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 There's something. That's why I asked how close that was to. Um, Live to in live the in moment. the moment because, yeah. because it's like, that's a, um, you know, it, just like we talk about sometimes that, uh, uh, that there are a lot of, um, philosophical ideas. Like I think ideas that we talk about all the time, particularly that come from, uh, uh, from psychoanalysis, like when a public figure says something like when they slip and they say something that they didn't mean to say, they said too much. Suddenly everyone believes in psychoanalysis for right, that moment. Right, and I, right. and I, and I, you know, and, and I like to, to track those things. Like, is there, um, cause I think that there's something to this, like, is there common sense value in the theoretical thing? And I think the common sense value of, I guess what Heidegger's getting through is right. Is this like live in the moment thing, which I guess the, or as we always talk about is that, um, that, I mean, I guess the way that it plays out in, in common sense is like, it's, it's all, it's like live in the moment, buy a Ford, right? As always my examples, like, you know, right. capital trying right. to, trying to buy you things, which is like, don't forget how this moment was produced. Don't even consider it. Right. Like, here's just, the, here's the difference, yeah. Ryan. Like, I yeah. think it's live in the moment while remembering that you're dying. And I think yes, the commodity yeah, yeah, yeah. is an attempt to say, this is a way you can forget that you're dying. Right. Like, yes. I think, yes. I think, yeah. I mean, I don't know about, anyone else but that when i first read heidegger i thought my god someone's really speaking to me and my own mm. angst relative mm-hmm. to death and i never had felt that before not even in 
in Hegel. So I, I, I do feel like that was, th- that there is some great appeal in that. And, and that there, mm-hmm. you know, and it's interesting that, that, I mean, we can talk, I think there are other aspects of Dasein that lead it to, that lead Heidegger to the embrace of Nazism, which I think we should talk about. But I'm not mm-hmm. sure that this authentic relation to death, mm-hmm. that seems to me to be totally violated by mm-hmm. Nazism, except insofar as to have an authentic relation to death is have to, to have the courage to be, mm-hmm. you know, to be courageous in the face of death. And maybe there's some of that in Nazi ideology. But I do think well, that... Yeah, I mean, go, doesn't, go like, doesn't Slavoj talk about this where, where like, they... I mean, you know, it's not, just to be clear, I understand that not actually Buddhism and Eastern thought, but, like, Slavoj's talked about this, like how the Nazis took... They imported ideas of, like, you know, existence is suffering... You know, like you, you're, you're not actually, you're not yeah. killing, you're not taking life. You're, right. you know, like, like, like you didn't stab someone they, uh, with your bayonet. They just appeared there. And, and that like this, this whole like radical disconnection between the thing that you're doing and like what's actually happening. Right. But a, isn't that where yeah. Heidegger's different, right? Like he thinks yeah. there's a, ra- there's a kind of radical responsibility mm-hmm. for your being that comes from y- that comes from the idea of Dasein, I think. Like you're, yeah. you know, that you're no, totally right. responsible for your existence. I mean, that's, Sartre picks that up, I think, in being a nothingness too. But I mean, mm-hmm. that's that seems to me to be something constant in Hegel, Heidegger, psychoanalysis, you know, all, ever, all the, like this notion of some kind of fundamental responsibility. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think, um, well, don't you think it's, it's um there is that 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 twinness, that intertwinedness with um, I think that Peter Brooks makes this concrete because he reads he reads Death Drive and uh, being toward death as the same, the kind of as the yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, which there are aspects of that which are correct. Maybe um, I think. Maybe yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm trying to. Be, you know what? I, I know I mentioned this on the podcast before. I think I'm trying to be fair to Peter because yeah. when I wasn't in that essay, I got absolutely slammed you by got an outside reviewer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but yes, he no, probably it, reviewed it. So yeah. it was probably him. Yeah, that, that's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, Peter. Man, he, he got the last laugh on that one. Yeah. But um, but yeah, no. The um, it's it's not a, a yeah. Obviously, well, okay. So since I brought it, since I brought us here, yeah. Um, uh, it is in, uh, of course, uh, uh, beyond the pleasure principle yeah. when Freud starts to art- articulate the uh, the drive. Uh, I, I mean, you know, been lurking in uh, in other like the. Um, I think I always like uh, the fi- the the finding of an object is always the refinding right, right. of it. You know, like I think is as, as, as but that's like later. Negation is later. Is that not from? I thought that's from three essays. He says no, that. no. That's from. Well, yeah. that I mean that if that actual formulation is in negation, the okay. little short essay negation. Maybe he says something like that in four in three essays. I don't know. So Either you, way. you would yeah. know better than me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know I like that a little bit better than you. Do. Yeah, that, but but no. I mean, you just uh, but, you re, you read it more often than I do for sure. Yeah, that is fair enough. Yeah, I'm um, I'm very certain that it's there. I'll put okay. That, I'll put okay. Good. Way. So good. It, so good. that's at least. So that's that's. Uh, I don't know if that's added with the, and like, the you know in the like the child is being beaten is is nineteen nineteen so nineteen eighteen yeah. so that's before and that's certainly some idea of of death drive is in there 
is emer- is certainly emerging around yeah. this time, and it's just really interesting. I think just to make this connection. So my this is my um my only my only take my my only original. It's not even original uh, to like, uh, of course, Heidegger is talking about being as thrown right. and it's a nice, uh, con- a nice idea to take back to beyond the pleasure principle and the scene of uh, uh, Freud's uh, is that his grandson, grandson or yeah. his grandson, grandson. Um, who's throwing this. Uh, how does he describe it? I always say a spool, I think head. he calls a it or a bobbin. I think it's just, I think whatever, cause it's a German word. So yeah, I think bobbin or spool is fine. Would work. Okay. Yeah. And you know, and he's playing, he's playing uh, as he says, Fort dot, which is right. like, you know, here and there. Right. Uh, right. Right. Is, yeah. And what the child well, Fort is, is gone. It, Fort means gone. Gone. Right, 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 right. Gone. And th- there is a, uh, a, th- th- literally th- this child is throwing and and so as Freud interprets I'm sure people listening they they know this but like um what Freud is explaining is every time that the child's mother leaves and it's really sad because the she died like when the kid was really young too. yeah but but to try to as, as he understands it to try to overcome the trauma of her leaving he throws this this uh this spool to try to to master the trauma of her having left and of course you the, the attempt to master always fails. And so I think... Well, because that, he wasn't really trying to master, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, isn't that what it, Freud it, says? Like, there was... He often repeated the throwing without the retrieving, right? Yeah. Like, like there's more... Yeah. Well, and it's even through... I mean, I think there's also the thing, too, that it's it's like... Uh, it's occurring through metaphor, uh, of course, which is which gives you that... Um, that, like, he could, he could master the... Uh, it, it, you could totally master the retrieval of the spool, but that's not the same right, thing as right, mastering right, the trauma right, of the, you know? Right, right. Um, so the, anyway, the, uh, the elements in this that, uh, that I like, of course, is okay. Throne being the da. Okay. The yep. thrownness to being those two elements happening at the same time. But I think where, um, and of course, uh, as Freud is going to, ex- uh, expound upon later in, uh, beyond the pleasure principle and in, uh, later, writings of course uh on on the the death drive is this um it's it's more of course a relationship to undermining oneself and right. and to right. as he says to return to some uh original state that he didn't say of loss literally but that's what he's that's what about. he means right that's what he means right. of loss or lack right and um where for heidegger it's like one needs to have not death in the rear view, but death in front of you, I think. Right. No, the, I think that's right. I think it's right. Like, the, yeah. So there is a way, I think yeah, that's really good. I think there is a way to think of the way, like Freud's kind of thinking a related thing that it's interesting, almost around the same time, right? Like seven years mm. apart. That, that thrownness, your own thrownness creates this relation to death and that, mm-hmm. and that taking it up, that taking it up uh, is really how you come to understand yourself, right? Like that's the only way that, I, I mean, Heidegger even goes so far as to say that that it's only through an authentic relation to uh, authentic being towards death that one is free mm-hmm. to to die. Like one is free, like freedom has its, and it's interesting, don't you think that's just fascinating? That for, I used to, I, I used to be so firmly convinced of this that if you didn't have this, your 
your own death in, in, in front of your thoughts all the time, mm-hmm. then you weren't mm-hmm. free, right? Mm. But it's just funny how, I don't think that anymore, but it's, it's interesting how, and then I was, I, there's this famous line in Spinoza where he says, the, the, the free man thinks of death, at least of all things. His philosophy is a meditation on life, not on death. And I always mm. thought, that's nice, but I hate that. I think that's totally wrong. <laughs> but, but now I don't, I haven't bought the Spinoza line, but I do think, like, I don't think it's possible to relate to your death in the way that Heidegger thinks that you can. Right. Yeah. Like, well, I don't think, don't you think this is this is what I what I wanted to, yeah. to posit as like the key difference between yeah. the two Da's is the failure in yeah. Freud yeah. that is yeah. not present in Heidegger. Yeah. yeah. And and yeah. part of it is because of the structure of the project as, as one of being additive because it has to be because being has been forgotten as in being has been taken for granted. So his whole thing ends up adding something, whereas I think Freud's whole thing ends up negating something, and that you know puts him on the side of Hegel, right? Um, right. And and end of the end of the dialectic, uh, which is like, you know, it's so. I mean, I think it's it's just it's very teasing to look at Fort Da right as the as the dialectic and this like confrontation of the void. Yeah, and, and this, I mean, like, it's great. Im- yeah, possible. Yeah, like there's not a possibility. Like, like that's I, I like it a lot as an example of dialectic because it gets us out of thinking of it as a term of uh, as a kind of there's synthesis. no synthesis right, possible right, right. No or synthesis. or or the only yeah the only way that you that there is synthesis is just that you're confronting that constitutive contradiction of there not being a synthesis like possible in this right relationship right no, um, great. so but that's great yeah no, no I mean I, I think that's the I think that that's the that's what twists the two different yeah. scenes of Da, if you Yeah, like. I agree. I mean, I think that... So, that that it seems to me that that, you know, like, for... I think for Freud, for Hegel, like, there, like any relation to my own death is going to be a failed relation, right? Like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to... There's mm-hmm. no such... Mm-hmm. So, the authentic would be, I think, I always thought, what Hegel would say is the authentic re- being towards death is the authentic recognition that I can't have an authentic <laughs> being towards yeah. death, you know, like that, yeah. the, 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 the authentic grasp of the failure. And I think, I think actually mm-hmm. that's an interesting way to think of Heidegger in relation to Hegel, that he thinks we can succeed. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Hegel's philosophy is really a philosophy of all we get to do is fail and mm-hmm. we can succeed at failing or not, yeah. but we yeah. can't just succeed. And I think Heidegger thinks we can just succeed. And I think yeah. that part of that that move from subjectivity to Dasein is about mm-hmm. making success possible, right? Like making mm-hmm. it possible to get to this originary way of experiencing that other that that without Heidegger's analysis, which is why I think you're right to say there's something additive, without his mm-hmm. analysis, we can't we miss. Like we're stuck. And, you know, I think it's interesting how close he is to Adorno and Frankfurt School, mm. right? Like the mm. whole critique of the they and the, and all, like it seems like that could, Adorno, they hated each other too, just vehement <laughs> hatred Adorno had for Heidegger. Um, but it, it's just, and I think it's just a narcissism of small differences, right? Like it yeah, just, probably. he just was too close. And I mean, and also politically, right? Because Adorno was mm-hmm. a Marxist and, Heidegger was a Nazi, so well, it was a Nazi. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but but I do think that 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 idea that in, instrumental reason, 
mm-hmm. has caused us to lose touch with being, that's kind of what Adorno thinks. Like it is. Yeah. Well, don't you, don't you, don't you think there's the thing too, where like, obviously like cult, like mass culture is of course. Yes. And, 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 and evil and, and must be rejected and questioned of course in Frankfurt school. And you can impose that on like, well, that's the mediation that we are. Absolutely. Know, under. Right. Yeah. Like mass culture, which they would refuse, like I, uh, Adorno would refuse that term because he thinks that it's not really the mass, right? It's like sure, right, right, right. He but, would well, but, withhold the mass for the for Marxists, like, right, right, right. But yeah. but you, but you're right. Like for Heidegger, Heidegger would say mass culture. Like for Heidegger, mass culture is this imposition of a totally false meet all mediations false for him, but a totally mm-hmm. false mediation that obscures mm-hmm. the original the originality of our Dasein, right? And, and thus right. we can ever, like if you're stuck in this morass of popular culture, how can you ever grasp your relation to death, your thrownness into being, your all these, you know, you're, you're stuck, you miss it. You're, you're mm-hmm. stuck in this other thing. I don't know. I can see, I can see because this is true for me. Like when I was in graduate school, that had such an appeal to me. Like I thought yeah. there's just so, like, He's so right about the analysis of that. And what's interesting is how you would could imagine Hegel analyze. He didn't live in that kind of thing, obviously. Mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. But his analysis would have been so different, right? It would have been, it would have been like Slavoj's. It would have been like, let's mm. see what, why are people invested in this thing, and what mm-hmm. does it tell us about the structure of our existence. Right, like yeah, I mean, yeah. don't you think it's well? Don't you think because, because uh, f- again, for different reasons, but Frank and we should do an episode on Frankfurt, and, and I don't want this to come off as unfair, but it, it's a shorthand for this particular relation, uh, vis-a-vis, uh, you know, mass culture as as mediation. But like, wouldn't like like I, it just seems that Heidegger and Frankfurt like they would just they would view it as a mistake. Right, like right. It, it, it's right. A, it's a mistaken relation, and and obviously Slavoj takes the opposite tack, which is that like, okay, this is the, this is like I, what I was saying like twenty minutes ago about like, is there common sense value? Not that things need need to be, but just what is in what in the I think Slavoj often refers to it as like the like the naive approach, right? Uh, to, right. to to something like, and I think that would be like the commonsensical relation. What's it like? What makes it naive? And then as he always does in the dialectical way that he approaches things is that like, well, in a supposedly higher and more theoretical approach, what is it that we lose by not having this naive approach to it? And that's the thing that is not neither in Frankfurt nor in Heidegger. Right. I think you're, I think it was a very perspicacious statement when you said for them, popular culture, mass culture is just a mistake. It's just like, it's just misleading. It doesn't, all mm-hmm. it reveals is how duped we are. Right, right? exactly. That's exactly. that's what Heidegger touch, yeah. thinks. I mean, he doesn't mm-hmm. think like, oh, let's, like, does he ever, <laughs> would he ever think to, like, analyze It Happened One Night, which came out, or or The Blue <laughs> Angel to pick a film from his country? Like, he would never mm-hmm. think to analyze that because yeah. it's just, it's a mistake. It's like a, mm-hmm. it's misleading. It doesn't, you know, it leads you down the wrong direction. So, I mean, Frankfurt's a little different because Adorno would actually go to the trouble of providing an he would ideological. See the film. Yeah, he would see the film and, and yeah. analyze its horrors, yeah. right? Like that, he would right, do right. that. Like he he wrote a whole book on horoscopes, so he he yeah. called the stars down to earth. So so he had to clearly read some horoscopes to be able to do that. So 
So, and it's, I mean, it's always obviously totally a diatribe. He does, but whereas I think if, it, if he was Hegelian, he would say, well, wait a minute, what is in, what, what actually can the horoscope, can the fact that people read horoscopes tell us about the, the structure of our subjectivity, right? Like, I think right, that, right. to me, that just the whole difference between the Heideggerian approach and the Hegelian approach is, that, is just in your, that word you used, mistake. Like, I don't think, yeah. like for Hegel, there aren't mistakes. Like, we have to look at what they reveal and not just dismiss them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't be a sheeple, as Heidegger might say. Heidegger would some, say that. Don't be a yeah. sheeple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, he definitely but, but, would. Yeah, so on this, this was the, um, because of course, uh, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but I want to, so I'm going to, I'm going to do this a little bit differently. I don't know, I don't, I, 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 I don't normally put things uh, to you this way, but I'm going to say that the originality, the, uh, this nostalgia of Dasein is the crux of Heidegger's Nazi turn. And I want you to tell me why I said that. Okay, Ryan, you said that because <laughs> the idea... And it's not guess what I'm thinking. You just... You just no, I know. I understand. Question. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, I think for... I think what Heidegger saw as appealing in Nazism was that it would cut away from all this, what we've just been talking about, all this mediating crap, including mm-hmm. subjectivity, mm-hmm. and get us back to some originary Dasein, some originary relation to time, and some mood that is more authentic than the mood of everydayness that we're confronted with all the time. So I think for him, I think the fact that Nazism wasn't theoretical, like it was, mm-hmm. I mean, there were, there were not Alfred Rosenberg who hated Heidegger. He called him a Talmudist, which is a great, <laughs> which really is, funny. it's wow. a great insult for an anti, I mean, yeah. to insult an anti-Semite by calling him a Talmudist is, is, oh is ironic. Um, <laughs> But yeah. Rosenberg was the only philosopher hung at hanged at Nuremberg, so it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Heidegger obviously wasn't; he lived quite a long time after the war. Um, but I think that 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 idea of of laying bare that mm-hmm. happens with Dasein, laying bare, stripping away this illusion of subjectivity, and getting back to a originary relation to space and time. I think that is what he sees Hitler bringing and Nazism bringing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, yeah, no, that's exactly right. And that's where, where I was, where I was, we're getting at like, like there, there, this, um, of course, like, you know, this, this relationship to the, like, we, you know, we need to get back to what, like, what does the soil mean? What does work mean? Yeah. Like what, it, like, you know, like, like there, like there is, I mean, I mean, you can, you know, you can see it in the fascism of our, current epoch right is that it is riddled with it's it's of course the uh the the ideological glue is a nostalgia for a time which never existed right when and we had a kind we were tied to our place right like i i, yeah. I, I want to get that in a second but it's interesting yeah. that what you said made me think of the fact that heidegger used to take little troops of of hitler out into the out into the the Schwarzfeld, the the Black Forest, and he would like yeah. march them around and do little camping trips. And stuff. Oh God! So he was really into that idea. It's hard uh-huh. to, once you hear that story. I think it's really hard to to take him too seriously. But um, no. but I, at least it was for me. Like that was like that that caused a real 
a real collapse in my... I do wish that um, the panic about uh, Boy Scouts was not about supposedly gay men. <laughs> uh, you know, it, but it was about Nazis, like, indoctrinating. The, I wish that was actually right, what the Boy right, Scouts panic right, was. Right, but, you know. right, right. Yeah. That would be good. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I... I but, but to your point, like, I think... And even that activity is all about returning to place. And I think yeah, that, to me, yeah. that's the real key about Dasein and, and the notion of a being here, that the Da is not mm-hmm. just here in the abstract. It's always a rootedness in blood and soil. I mean, blood is unfair yeah. to Heidegger because he he was never a racist in that way. Like, there's different kinds of blood. I mean, he thought he believed in the single ancestor. and what. So, mm-hmm. so he wasn't a, like, a... He was... He was very much a cultural anti-Semite, cultural Nazi, yeah. right? A theoretical one. Like he, but 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 Bowdoin soil. He was totally invested in that, right? Like mm-hmm. that the the German people were rooted in a. They had a rootedness that that is lost in modernity. I mean, he's a. I think Dasein is really an index. That use of that term is an index of his anti-modernity because isn't mm-hmm. subjectivity the the great turn of modernity, right? Like it discovers the freedom through the subject's uprootedness. Like as a subject, I don't, like I'm from Ohio, but I'm not rooted there. I don't feel at home there. I feel if I had to go back there, I would have a panic attack, right? Like, (laughs) like I don't, but Heidegger, he feel, he doesn't think that. Like he thinks the closer I can be to my home, the more I'm in touch with where, with who I am. And I think, for Hegel, it's just the opposite. It's like the more yeah. you you can feel alienation from where you are, the more you can you. That's who you just how you discover who you are. So, and so I think he's totally anti-modern, totally, and 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 thus that's what he likes in Nazism. That it 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 has, it has this appeal to return to the pre-modern. Yeah, it's you know that's it's really interesting because there's even I mean there's another obviously. Um, Oh, Foucault has that line about how influential Heidegger was for him. Was so influential he couldn't mention him, which I, I think is a like I, I think is a, a nice idea, right? Like yeah, some yeah. Figures I think it's true l- too. But yeah. totally, they loom yeah. too large. You, you yeah. can't even talk about them. Yeah. Too proximate. Um, but I, I think that um, a particular more in sort of our uh, realm of uh, film and, and, and media studies. But I mean, don't you think? Baudrillard is the inheritor here. Of, I do. Of this, I do. This, of this stance. And and I don't, um, like, you know, you can see how they go, like you can really easily see how they go together because like, I, um, it's more, not, not just simulations and, and simulacra, but, uh, the perfect crime, which is this, this, uh, text from, from Baudrillard's in the, well, for one, he has this, this one chapter that is like kind of out of nowhere about how seduction is gone because, people because the, the the pc police it looks like it was written yesterday it's crazy i know um, i know but I know. but th- that's not the, the part that i want to focus on the part i want to focus on though is that like what he says the problem is is that there is an original illusion of the world that we have lost and that's the perfect crime and so it isn't and so he kind of like he pushes it a little bit where like not only we not only have we lost like immediate relations to each other to things but we had an immediate relation to like an, to an illusion to, 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 to some, to some fiction and that we've totally lost. 
because of the because of uh, well, I mean, I, he would have called it the virtual, like, um, and 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 because of all the like the parade, the procession of simulacra, right? Um, and I I think that's I, th- that is to me seems a very um, a like a Heideggerian position, like to t- uh, toward culture, basically. Like it's kind of like I don't know, it, like don't don't you think that that in 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 Bojard is this kind of uh, just as we were talking about, it's this um, piecing together where uh, like Frankfurt School and Heidegger would reinforce each other and, and yeah. pushing pushing along that path. Yeah. I don't know. yeah, yeah, no, I think that's right. Like, I think he, it's the like it, he kind of takes that to the nth power, right? Like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that critique of what of the way that we, I mean, again, I think it's this, I, th- I come back to the word you used a mistake, right? Like yeah, rather yeah. than analyzing what it reveals mm-hmm. about the nature of subjectivity or, or, yeah. or existence, it's like, how do I criticize the mistake? And what's yeah, interesting right. is I don't even think, I think even Marx never thinks it's just a mistake, right? Like, yeah. like when Marx analyzes something, he sees the he sees he wants to look at what it reveals about mm-hmm. us and about our desire about our about the structure of capital and even though he's making mm-hmm. a really clear moral critique of capital it's never just this is a mistake what happened mm-hmm. you know and so i think that's i find that pretty interesting and i think it's tied to his heidegger's phenomenological bent you know his that there's a mm-hmm. kind of i don't know almost a real moralizing uh yeah. aspect to heidegger's thought i think that that and 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 i think it's tied to this notion i don't know i'm i, I was going to say of of authentic dasein but i, I was I, just going to say the same thing i think if you bring in a notion of an authentic blank to blank like if you if that's a part of your thing then there have then there just have to be mistakes and i, I think it ends up being I think, like at a at a very plain level, you you end up being like very condescending. Like, I guess I, I, like, I, I know, yeah. I know, and I was going to say that, but but then I think like and I, I see what you're saying for sure. Yeah. But then I think like, well, don't you have to have a notion of authenticity to have a critique of ideology? I don't. Th- I don't think that you do. You don't. Okay. I th- I no no because I think that if you are. I think if, if you're coming at if you're coming at things from the position of th- there are only failures and like right. you know right. better failures you right know, to, to, right no that's to put, right to put right. Beckett into Hegel then like right. I think <laughs> right. then I think that um, then you don't need you don't need the authentic what you actually what you need is just just it's just it's everyone has an inauthentic relation to right blank right. fill in the blank right and, right yeah. but I think you still need the category of the inauthentic. What's well, interesting? Right? Well, like, that's a fair enough. Yeah, no, yeah, I yeah. think I think that has to be preserved because that lets us know that of the way ideology is working. But I think you're right mm-hmm. to dream of this moment of authenticity is. It's also it's it's part of the dream of getting out of mediation. What you said toward the beginning, like that Dasein mm-hmm. is is part of this attempt to recover an original immediate relation to the world that's been Mm -hmm. obscured by the mediation of the, they, or whatever it is. Yeah. Culture, culture, right. Uh, even language. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and you have to cut that away and in order to get back and you cut what you cut, what cuts it away 
is the proper mood, right? So he, Heidegger says, in the feeling of anxiety, we're held out into the nothing. I love how mm. it's exactly the opposite of what Lacan thinks, right? Like Lacan <laughs> thinks you, your anxiety, you're confronted with the over-proximity of this object that's yep. absent, right? Like, so, but it's, it's yeah. absent, but it's over-proximate. Uh, but for Heidegger, it's no, it's you're confronted with this experience of nothing. And I, I, I mean, and I think for him, that's what you, what leads you to this authentic relation to death and to your own finitude. And I, I just want to say one last thing, that, that, that finitude is, I'm answering your question from so long ago about what Dasein is. I think right, that's yeah, the yeah. other thing that Dasein is that subject mm-hmm. isn't, that Dasein is mm-hmm. fundamentally nice. finite. It's finite. Okay. And, that, and subjectivity for Hegel is infinite, right? Like mm-hmm. it's infinite. And, and, and isn't it interesting that for Heidegger, it's our finitude that, allow, that causes our relationship to death. But for Hegel, mm-hmm. death is horrific for us because we're infinite beings and we can constantly see beyond it, right? Like, yeah. like for Hegel, the animal who's just totally within its finitude, death is just an end point for it. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a, it's not a trauma, for the way mm. this constant trauma for yeah. human beings because they're infinite and can see beyond it. Jennifer Friedlander once said to me, <laughs> I loved this point. She's like, death is only traumatic for me if I'm dying alone. If the whole existence is wiped out, yeah. then it's not traumatic. And I thought, God, there's such a great insight in there. And it's, it, yeah. it is an anti-Heideggerian, Hegelian insight, right? That it's, it's mm. precisely our infinitude that makes our own death horrific. That's great. I, I, I loved, I love that idea. I mean, I, I, I think I, oh, of course, just to like to tease that out a little bit, but, yeah, um, yeah. and to like, we, you know what it is? It's the word, um, it's like, it's kind of the, isn't it kind of the word if it's, it's like, it's a, it's a, um, I don't know. It's a, the, the, the subjunctive of the subject or something or it might be too, too tricksy of a way to put it, but it's just like, well, if I, you know, like if I make it to this age, I can do that. But that, like they're, they're, they're all the, the fantasy of, of seeing like you don't have the, the endpoints not coming right to you. Right. Like it's, it's, it's the, it's, it's the, it's the after there's always the like, well, if this, then that, then the, and, and then that. And what if you don't, if, or what if you don't get to do those things? Right. What if you, right. you know, like what, and, 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 or what for, um, I think what, what would be the, the unique trauma for Todd McGowan is you don't get to write the book, like the book, whatever right, book there is right, in you, right. that's the book. Right. That's the, right. yeah, you don't right. get to do that. That will be the trauma um, because I won't get to write them. <laughs> I'll just write these series of failed books, right? That's all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's, I think that's really great. I mean, and that's also like, so that, um, I think, uh, the, the issue of, um, this is also, this is also the, the thing I think that, um, that, just for for um for the not just the turn toward uh, nazism that pushes them away from uh from subjectivity but it does seem like mo- leaving dasein um also helps with um i i guess it's just it, it's it's a cleaner way of talking about being for heidegger right and in, in, right. in, in, in other t- like you don't maybe have to deal so much with 
the 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 authentic or the inauthentic because I do think it's well a that it's interesting you said that Ryan because those terms totally drop out. Okay. Yeah. Once I, he talks um, about design, yeah, once he talks sense. about just about being, and no mm-hmm. longer about design, there's no conception of authentic or inauthentic. And some people claim that he's trying. I don't think this is true. That he's trying to that he thought that Dasein led him to Nazism because it was mm-hmm. too close to subjectivity and that mm-hmm. he's trying to distance himself from that. But the problem is, I don't think he ever wanted to distance himself from it at all, right? Like, yeah, right, I don't right, right. think he thinks, oh, this was just a failed moment of my... I mean, he's sad because it failed, but that's all. Right. Like, he doesn't. he's not sad because he thinks, oh, I did such a terrible thing. I, don't, I just don't yeah. think he thinks that. And, and one of the reasons people think he thought that is because of a Hannah Arendt's publicity campaign for him that she waged for 30, almost 30 years, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think that that's, uh, you know, so I don't think, I I don't think that's right. I think you're much more right to say he's trying to move away from Dasein, Mm -hmm. that that, that's part of the problem. Like the whole move away from subjectivity into Dasein is the first problem. And then the subsequent move away from Dasein is making oneself more proximate to Nazism, I think, because it's it's a way of, of the more distanced you are from subjectivity, the more the closer you are to Nazism. I I would say. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I I I mean, I think that's Graham Harmon. Let's hope he's not listening because he would puke if he heard that. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is, any person of this flat ontology or or, or object oriented ontology, like they they they, don't, they think subjectivity is implicitly Nazi, right? Like, it's implicitly fascist. It's, a, it's relative to all other beings, right? Yeah, I guess I just... Yeah, no, that... I mean, we'll have to tease that out another time. That just... That, to me, just seems like... It It, it isn't... Um, uh, all right, I'll, uh, I, I guess I, I, I put it this way, that, like, the... Um, the, the, the Nazi... The Nazi project, I mean, I think, like, any, like, like these these successful, uh, uh, like obviously to everyone, to all of our detriments, like these successful right-wing projects make, um, graphic a villain, but it's not a subject. It's, 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 it's actually, it's like, it's, it's de subjectivizing, uh, a, a caricature, um, to unite against, right? Like, like I don't, I don't, like I can't, is that right? Right. Right. I don't know. I just can't, that's not as, I don't know. That's not a, there's no subject there. Like I just, I, I, I don't, I don't. See well, the how. idea would be that I think here's the idea that the subject yeah, okay. is always a figure of mastery that puts okay. itself above everything else, and that's what mm-hmm. fascists do, right? They they master the world and they inflate themselves above all other mm-hmm. beings, right? Yeah, but isn't that the? This is the mistake. This this is the, we were just talking about this before the show. This is the mistake of of thinking that it's the 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 le- the leader figure is the, is what's to, to thinking that fascism is actually a top-down thing like right, th- there's right, a if, right. if listeners don't know about this in last week or two weeks ago uh trump has a rally in mississippi and he urges everyone there to get vaccinated and he is booed and he, he backtracked and he backtracked, backtracked. but right. so like i i think we said this in the first um uh episode with, with deleuze and, and guattari when we, when we were doing um uh, anti-Oedipus that like the, they're, they, 
and I mean, it's not just them, but like they think of, um, uh, and, and I think everybody thinks of fascism as this, like this total, this like top down leader right. down to base thing, but it's not, it's actually, it's, it's rhizomatic. It's, it's, it's the, bo- it's the, it's the bottom out. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, in that like Trump, if, if you think of things as the, like the, the leader is the point of, um, of mastery and the point of meaning for the fascistic movement, then they would all gotten vaccinated. Right. Right. But, but there is, it's bigger. It's much bigger than him. It is this, like, it's this amorphous thing. It is like, that's why, that's why QAnon, cause there's no, cause the guy who started it, Talked about how it was a joke. He's been interviewed all kinds of places. He didn't think it, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't like, matter. Like right. he just proves himself not to be the leader, right? You know, right. and I, it, I think and it's a great point. Yeah. But don't yeah. you think what's interesting is that from within the movement, that mm-hmm. is not visible, and that that's why I think yeah. Heidegger. It's interesting how his philosophy, in a way, cries out for a leader, a mm-hmm. master that will mm-hmm. return us to an authentic relation to time and to being, yeah, right? The, like, I think yeah, that please. that, I think that, that it does cry out for that. And I think from within the movement, it seems as if the master's in charge. Just like if you're mm. in a, I don't want to compare a classroom to a, a fascist party, but but I'm going to, uh, just gonna, like in your classroom, right. it seems like the teacher's in charge when, of course, we all know that that's not true, right? Like the students yeah. are totally running the show. Mm-hmm. So and yeah. their their mood, you know, creates the mood of the class. Their they their responses direct where the what the teacher does, everything, right? But yeah. that isn't that isn't readily apparent to the students themselves. And I think mm-hmm. the same no. thing from within the fascist movement, and even to those. What's interesting is even to people outside, because I think everyone analyzes it, saying, "Oh no, the leader is in charge. It's a top down. It's authoritarian," mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. But don't you think, but this is, uh, but this is where this, this point is excellent because the, the, I think I would say this, the movement sustains as long as no one understands that the group is in charge. Right. Right. So as long as Q, QAnon, as long as, as long as Q is in charge or Trump or what, whatever, not even him, it doesn't matter. As long as they realize they're not the ones in charge. Then it sustains when they real like, and I, it, th- there's no guarantee that they do realize that's not like the, that's not like, where they probably never like will step right. by step, probably right. never will. But that's the, I mean, it's the same, you know, I mean, like, isn't this the thing, <laughs> isn't this the thing about the classroom just to continue with that example? Yeah. If the students recognize that they were in charge, they could just walk out. It's and Pink then, Floyd, right? Like it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> it's like the, you know, we don't need no education. It's they're, they're burn yeah. their desks. I mean, yeah, I think that that's right. And I think, um, you know, my question for you is this. Yeah. Is there a difference between a leftist organization and a fascist one in, in that relation? Like, in other words, can the leftist organization un- undergo that realization and remain coherent mm. in a way that the fascist or right-wing one cannot? It's interesting. I think then me i don't i don't know yeah you're hitting me with this at the at the end of the episode it's really, it's well worth thinking about um for it's for a after. hard I'm question sure, i think it's a hard question yeah. i'm sure i'll have a better better answer tomorrow but i think my i don't have an answer you don't have an answer okay no. well my um no. my immediate uh my immediate reaction to this and of course 
should be suspicious of imme- of immediacy if uh, to to be on the side of Hegel at least. To be on the side of Hegel, right? right? Yeah, um, I I think that it has to be. I, I think this was um, something that Occupy seemed to mobilize was a leaderless movement, and then it kind of fell apart because there wasn't one. Right, and I think that well, Black Lives Matter is kind of leaderless, isn't it? It is, yeah. No, that it is, and it's very successful. So that would be an example of, uh, and I think because it has Occupy. I, I know it had like there was the ninety nine percent and the one percent, but that wasn't like a. I don't know. I don't. I, I. I don't seem to remember like a galvanizing phrase. Right. But be, beyond that, I think Black Lives Matter. Like be, Like I think that naming what it is, you know, embodying and 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 and, and arguing for. I think that's. That's really, really important because what I was going to say is that, like, if there, I think that you can have, uh, maybe you can have a uh, like a leader or leadership on a, uh, the left wing side, but it has. To, I, I almost think it has to be purposed with the the leadership is a, is irrelevant. Like it has to lead to its own irrelevancy. Okay, interesting. I think that I think that would have to be it. But I don't. But I don't. That, that's just like me. It's a tough question right. because. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the more successful left wing movements in history have always had the question is: Did the people right. realize they were in charge? Like it's possible, right? Like it's possible. Mm-hmm. Like even in, I just this is my favorite example because I think it's maybe the most successful left wing movement in human history was the Bolivia of of Evo Morales. Like that, mm. did the people realize they were in charge? I don't know. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I don't think they did. I think they still thought, oh, it's the leader driving this movement. So I don't know mm. about that. I, I think it's, I think it's, so I'm not sure that it's just confined to fascism, although it's definitely true of fascism that if the, if the people discover that they have the power, then they don't, then the movement collapses, right? Yeah. Unlike yeah, black, no. like, yeah. like the mode, the, 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 the motto of the Black Panther Party was power to the people, right? Like that. Right. Yeah. But did it? But then, when when yeah. <laughs> when Huey Newton and Bobby Seale kind of fell off the scene, then the party collapsed, right? So yeah. So I don't know. Well, I think this is the. I mean, I, I guess this is the. Okay, here's after a couple minutes. I think it's the difference between. I, I come back to this uh, okay. a lot, so maybe maybe it, maybe it explains too much, and therefore there needs to be another example. But I think it's perhaps the difference between Master Signifier and Quilting Point. I think maybe a movement needs a quilting point, but it yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't need a leader. It doesn't need a leader, right? Yeah, so like and that and that's the difference. I think the the fascistic movement always needs master signifier. It has to have a master signifier. Has to have master signifier. I think if it has quilting point, it falls apart. Whereas well, its quilting point is has to be the enemy. Yeah, well, good point. Fair, fair. Right, right. I think that's absolutely Mm -hmm. true of a right wing movement that that its leader is the master signifier, but its quilting point is the enemy. Is the enemy, and then yeah. for the left, the quilting point has to be the group, right? And the master right. signifier has to be that which you are against, actually. Right. Interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, a little maybe too far afield from Heidegger. I don't know, <laughs> but, oh, but I do think. I mean, I, it's interesting how we kind of went to his Nazism because being in time is a, such a pre. It's six years before the Nazi takeover and before his mem- he wasn't a member of the party before the takeover, so. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think that it's, it's I, I almost think you can't think about Heidegger in the abstract away from that 
yeah. that movement, which is interesting because there are other, like, I don't know if he was an artist, I would think the same thing, right? Like, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I think it's, I yeah, think with a philosopher, yeah. No, it's, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if it's an hour long conversation, but it's, it's something for us to tackle another time. I do think, cause I actually, cause yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, you separate the, uh, the, 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 the auteur from the, from the art, right. uh, um, is, is a common thing, but I do think the only other connection I really do think, um, is I think it's very hard for me, for example, to ever imagine listening to Louis C.K. tell a joke ever again. <laughs> and I, cause I, cause I think that there's something about the stand-up comedian and the philosopher, right. Uh, or the stand-up philosopher as Mel Brooks put it in history of the world part one that I, I think that I don't know. I, there's something there, there's some connective, uh, tissue. I don't know what it is. Um, exactly. Well, it's I, especially for someone like Heidegger, who's, philosophy is so tied to like to existence and how they're yeah how they're living right like i think if it was i don't know like it seems to me like with wittgenstein and bertrand russell i i care less about how they what they did you know like it just it's just like the that kind of philosophy seems to be it's more like a work of art whereas with heidegger Mm -hmm. it seems much but i think you're right like louis ck and the stand-up comic i think it's 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 so proximate to philosophy that it kind of mm-hmm. raises the same, the same question. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. It's interesting. Well, another time, Todd. Another time. Okay. Well, the another lesson today is an time. easy one, yeah. right? Like it's, uh, Oh, what is it? Just read being in time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think yeah. so. <laughs> All right. Over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd.